This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to MQ1 Podcast, your audio hub for everything Milton Keynes Dons. Well, after after an episode uh, hiatus, I'm I'm back hosting. Uh, Joe, thank you very much for hosting last episode. Um, it, it was weird listening to the episode, not actually being on it. It was a, uh, you know, that is pretty sure that is the first time since we launched the podcast that I haven't been on uh, the episode. So yeah, that was interesting. But yeah, thank you boys for holding it down and thanks for Dolph for coming on once again and uh, giving his insight. Uh, before we jump into our thoughts on the past week. Uh, Ross, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing all good, thanks, mate. Good to hear, good to hear. Joe, how about yourself? Yeah, yeah, I've uh, I've done a bit, I've done uh, keeping your seat warm, so I'll hand it back over to you you today. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you're more than welcome to take the seat back if you want. I'll say it was, it was, uh, it was good, I enjoyed it. Uh, speaking of stuff that, well, all three of us enjoyed, to be fair. Um, obviously, we were lucky enough at the weekend for the Oxford game to spend it in the uh, director's box, uh, or director's lounge, so sorry, um, as part of being uh, fans for the year, or one of the fans of the year for the um, last season, the, the during COVID season. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed the experience, and thanks to everyone there who took care of us, uh, in particular Simon Crampton, Liam Sweeting, and Pete Winkleman, who all came over. Had good chats of them. Um, and as there's a few questions regarding January, which uh, we can't really get into. Um, but yeah, it was interesting to hear from them about you know certain things that go on the club. And obviously, this is my pers- personally my first time in the director's lounge. So it was nice to be up there and watch the game from that, that experience. And uh say say I could watch uh, every Don's game from there every week, that's for sure. Um Joe, how how did you find your director's lounge experience on Saturday? Yeah, no, it was brilliant to be mingling with um the local government and with the mayors of Milton Keynes and Oxford up there and uh, Pete Winkleman, of course, up there. And yeah, no, I, uh, again, thanks to the people at the club that arranged it and uh, the food was bloody lovely as well. So yeah, no, it was um, yeah really nice to be up there. Um, great view for the game as well. Although it wasn't quite as rowdy as Block 11. But yeah, no, it was, it was good just to, uh, just to be somewhere else watching the game and, uh, 
it's quite an entertaining game to watch up there. So yeah, um, really good experience and um, and, and really uh, glad the club could arrange that for us. Yeah, that was the one thing was missing, wasn't it? It was it was a block eleven atmosphere. That's what we needed up there. We needed, we needed Harry would have drove up there for sure. That was uh, definitely something we missed. Uh, Ross, Ross, how did how did you find um, Saturday being up it, up in the gods? I suppose. Yeah, it was a, it's a different perspective um, in terms of watching the game. I think you appreciate how we play a lot more once you see it from a different angle. I know from obviously from block eleven. You only see limited um, chances, but we saw saw them from both ends. Um, but as Joe said, I think the food. I I, I leave my plate at, um, ever full, but <laughs> some of the some of the food it was incredible. Um, no, but yeah, a really enjoyable experience, and uh, certainly one I won't say uh, no to again for sure. Yeah, exactly. So if, if, if the club are listening, now you never know. You <laughs> see what happens. Working magic. No, it was a really enjoyable experience. And yeah, thanks again to everyone involved. Um, yeah. And I say, uh, we spent it with, uh, obviously, Jonathan, uh, Maya of Comedons and um, Max as well, who were brilliant to meet some of them and obviously speak to Jonathan again. And uh, yeah, really enjoyed my day. It was, uh, it was a good time for sure. Shame, shame the result wasn't a bit better, which we're getting to now. Um, but yeah, it was a good day, unfortunately. Well, a good day apart from the result. Obviously, 2-1 defeat at home to Oxford. Um it was interesting teams of course we by the way we didn't hear the teams before anyone else did so we heard at 2pm that you know uh Kyoso, Twine and Isa were all out um uh, yeah and, and there's knowing about knowing of Isa and Twine especially of course being two of our more focal focal points of attack uh, so yeah seeing that news at 2pm wasn't exactly the best when you're eating your carvery but I suppose it's better than being in the stands or in Livington having a beer um yeah and then obviously getting into the game it was a it was a pretty good start with you from Haram of course he's the get mentioned today for getting this goal a well taken finish to be fair and I suppose the keeper should have done better really and you know Simon Eastwood really should have done better there for that goal um and yeah first half you know I don't think it was a spectacular performance but you know won the luck got the job done and we we went upstairs you know pretty happy with how we were playing and happy with the result and then the second half I think um all a bit too common this season, you know, we've gone into this mindset of, you know, sitting back and yeah, we did, I think we did create some chances, but unlike the Plymouth game, it wasn't enough, quite frankly. And I think if we can, I think for me personally, you know, seeing those two goals we did, and especially the manner of the first, the first one was pretty poor. And of course, Fish with the second goal, it wasn't, wasn't great either. Um, but yeah, I don't think you can come out of this Oxford game saying that we deserved anything else, unfortunately, unlike the Plymouth game. Um, we didn't really create enough going forward. I think we asked too much of Troy Power overall. I think for 45 minutes, he could do it well enough. But for 90, it's a bit of ass. It's a massive push. Um, and yeah, ultimately, it wasn't it wasn't the best team performance. And it's we haven't had to say that a lot this season. Uh, but I think this Saturday has been you know, one of those cases. So, uh, Ross, uh, how, did, how did you find the game in general, despite where we were from, where we watched it from? I, I, I felt it was very peculiar in a way. Um, I felt the first half, um, we had an element of control to it. Um, we limited Oxford to next to nothing, really. I felt um, the back line were playing quite a high line, which is nice to see. And we're um, causing um, them to be offside a lot of the time, especially Matty Taylor. Um, and then, obviously, we got the goal. And then there, from there, really, I felt, um, yeah, as you say, Liam, we went to our old ways again and... Um, 
we tried to sit back on a lead and um going into half time one nil up i was i was happy um obviously we knew that oxford side weren't going to uh, play poor for 90 minutes we knew they were going to have that spell and um carl robson fair play to him he got his team going and um the first thing i noticed straight away from that oxford side was that press and they pressed us into mistakes and we saw it we saw it um in dribs and drabs um, from Harvey, especially in that first half, a few loose passes, giving the ball away cheaply, just through a press through Holland. Um, and yeah, it, was, it resulted into uh, conceding two goals. And I'm not going to put the blame on Fish because of Fish, since he's joined the club, he's been outstanding, I feel. And it's harsh to say that um, some fans feel like Nichols, Nichols this, Nichols that. I, I do feel like Fish is a very good goalkeeper in this system. Um, but I felt in that second half especially, we lacked a bit of legs in that midfield. Um, and due to the COVID situation, um, our bench was very thin. So I can't put too much pressure or blame the result on the players as, as much as I, as I would like to um, because we had key players out. But Walking, we should be walking away from that game one nil up if we don't make the mistakes. But with this sort of um, risk, uh, well, with this sort of formation, sorry, it's high risk, high reward, and um, I guess it's just moving on to Burton at the weekend. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll get into the fish subjects. Obviously, it's a, it's one that it's obviously going to get brought up this week with all the comments that have happened on social media. And to fair, even people, I was quite surprised to hear some some people say it. And to be fair, I, I appreciate he had a bad performance, but. I think I think Manning. Well, we're getting to this. I think Manning put it quite uh, fittingly, quite frankly, in terms of the fifth situation. And um, just to go off one of your points, Ross. I mean, even at two-one down, you know, Charlie Brown had that really good chance towards the end. And to be fair, I didn't. Obviously, he was our only real player to come off the bench that day. Uh, Josh Martin. I'm not. I'm not too sure what set with him. I don't even know what's going on in that situation. But yeah, Charlie Brown. I thought. He showed glimpses against Leighton Orient the other week, and I'm sure he'll be playing against Charlton in a couple of weeks in the Papa John's Trophy again. But yeah, I mean, I think overall it was a good it was a good save from their keeper Eastwood. I think he made up for his Haram mistake earlier in the game. Um, he may, I see Ross Quinton at that. I, I do I do think it was a good save over a poor finish. Um, but maybe we'll get into that later. Uh, but before we do that, uh, Joe, uh, your overall thoughts from Saturday. Um, I think it's harsh to say that we deserve not to win. Uh, well, no, sorry. I think it's harsh to say if you, that maybe Oxford deserved to win. I don't think Oxford necessarily deserved to win because I think the, this game was very much similar to the Plymouth game in the fact that Oxford had a lot of the ball. But apart from the two goals, they didn't actually do anything. Like They didn't drip, get into our box and come off with you know, good good chances. They had a goal that was offside, so that's, you know, it's offside. And then they, you know, late on they went through, but at that point we're committing everyone forward, so you can ignore that one. And and I do think that both goals were very cheap, unforced errors. And I think that it's not unfair to say that, you know, we we should have maybe had two goals going into half-time. I thought for half, first half we were absolutely fantastic, to be quite honest, but... Um, we, you know, obviously we saw Liam Sweet in the director's box and the director's lounge. And one thing he said was about the spirit of the team. He said, you know, 
because we said I said to him you needn't bother in January if the, if the people coming in play like this and he just said you know the spirit with this group's really really quite amazing and it's true because we were you know I, I had a little look at the players that were missing and so we had Kyoso Twine Waters Mo and Harry Darling missing between them they scored 24 goals this season that's 24 out of 39 league goals and that means that you know that's over 60 percent and it wasn't as if, oh, yeah, but we've replaced them with, you know, we've sold them, we've got money in and we've replaced them with similar players. No, 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 that's just there. They're out, just out, not not available. And so, you know, we're using our, you know, backups essentially. So, you know, to have that sort of level of players and influence out of the team, it's really quite damaging. And then add to that David Kasuma as well, who I've not even listed there because he hasn't scored yet. So that's six players that, probably you'd, you'd say would be starting, um, would have started that game. So again, that's another point just to make, you know, because again, I've seen, you know, about us thrown away leads, et cetera, et cetera. But I think, again, context, because um, I don't think it was, I thought Oxford played much better the second half, but again, I don't think they were banging down the door particularly. They were getting a few corners and they're, I don't, oh, I don't know what it is with football fans, but some fans, especially away fans and we're probably guilty of it away games as well, celebrating corners like they're goals. You probably get one in 10, 12, 15 corners that turn to a goal. So, but anyway that's just a personal pet peeve. Um, but yeah, like, you know, as I say, like the two goals, the first one is a free kick where a ball's floated in and the one the, 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 the guy's unmarked and two, you know, it's not exactly a bullet header and it, you know, I'm not a goalkeeping expert, but it looks soft how it goes in. And the second one, yeah, Fish doesn't do great. I'll definitely say that. But again, wasn't a great pass back to him. So, you know, it, I'd say Fish could do better in both instances, but for both instances, I don't necessarily think it's his whole fault for both instances. So, yeah, overall, it's a shame we gave away such two cheap goals, considering how actually... For the most part, we didn't really give them much, you know, even even if they did have more of the ball in the second half. I don't think they actually, you know, were completely tearing the door down, so to speak. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. Um, I say, we've got, I, th- I think a player I mentioned in Haram Boateng, actually, funnily enough, what a shock, um, later on in the episode. I think he sums up that game quite well, actually. Um, but we're getting to that later. We'll, we'll mention Fish first off because, you know, we've, we've all kind of given our two cents on the situation. I think I think Liam Manning put it pretty perfectly in that, you know, I think the, the game on Saturday was probably Fish's, you know, I think it's, he puts in a performance like that, his worst performance of the season, in my opinion. And then he'll probably go on a streak of like 10, 15 games where he won't, put, won't really make a mistake at all. Um, and that's just the way that we've seen this before with Fish. Just that's how it happens. You know, he's, he's he's so consistent in goal for me that I'd never doubt him in goal, personally. Um, and I, I was quite surprised. Obviously, you know it's coming with Fish. And he has that odd performance where he's poor, but you don't really expect it. Uh, and I think that's why it has a bit of a shock factor to most fans, most of our fans, you know. And obviously, you see some comments regarding, well, funnily enough, he has that performance and those transfer rumours come out, which we're not talk about in here. But it's just funny timing. Um, I don't think there's anything in them, to be honest with you, uh, right now. It, it, if he leaves for the figures that are being quoted, then I think the club have made an absolute steal. Um, and of course, there was, you know, there's one in, one out in that situation. 
Um, but yeah, back, back to his performance. I, I have every faith in fishing goal. I don't, I don't see why he gets all the bad press he does. Um, yeah, one, one bad performance for me doesn't discount the 15 good ones he'll put in going forward. Um, I don't know what you think about it, Ross, but you know, I think he's a class act to be honest. I completely agree, mate. Um, I think obviously he offers everything as a goalkeeper. I think he's more complete than ex goalkeepers we've had. I feel obviously his, um, his ball at his feet is incredible. Um, we just saw it against Plymouth, especially um, the first half goal. I, bl- I believe it was against Plymouth, um, where he just dinks it in into Twine and Twine plays it through to Tanai. I think, well, I, I hope it is uh, against Plymouth. Um, but it, it was, just shows yeah, his, it, was. <laughs> it, it, sh- it just shows his passing ability uh, overall. And um, I think when your team loses, and we're all guilty guilty of it, um, we try and put a blame on someone. And unfortunately, Fish made two um, individual mistakes, and obviously people are going to look at him. But I think what people really need to understand is is the fact that um, Fish has, has been. I'd arguably say six or seven out of 10 each game he's been in. Um, and I just feel we just need to, as I say, give him time like we do with everyone else. It's like Mo, I think it was against Plymouth also. He missed two big chances. Um, and look, look, we're going to give him another chance on Saturday if he's fit. And uh, I just feel like it's it's a bit petty if you ask me, um, putting all the blame onto him. But at the end of the day, everyone makes mistakes. It's just how you move on from it. He's the goalkeeper. He's to get all the blame at the end of the day. That's how football works. You know, you, you all know that on this call. Like, that's how it is. Like, if you're striker, like my wife said, said, he missed two chances in the game. I'm quite surprised he get more blame. To be honest, that Plymouth game. I think. Yeah. I don't understand how most fans. I've said it multiple times to you boys and on this. I don't understand how fans didn't think we should have won that game. I don't get it. I don't understand like what what they're watching in terms of the football. Um, and yeah, I've yeah, I don't know, Joe. I don't know if you've got anything to add in your fish comments from earlier, but. I don't understand some people's just like instant reactions to certain things. I don't, I don't know if it's just because of just not seeing the bigger picture or what it is. Well, I think it's true to both say that Fish has had a decent season and Fish had a bad game on yeah, of course. Saturday. I think both of those things are true. And I think, you know, you think name any goalkeeper in, the, I'd say, the Championship, League One, League Two. I even think of, you know, the likes of... Um, you know, Sam Johnston for West Brom, uh, who's England, like, number three goalkeeper. I remember, I think it was um, when they might have played QPR, and he just came absolutely steaming out of his goal and got chipped or something. It's like, these, Nate, there's not a single goalkeeper in the EFL that doesn't have bad games. And that's, and I'll tell you for why, because they're in the EFL. If they were, if they were perfect, they'd be in the Premier League. Allison, he's cost Liverpool. He's probably, you know, top three goalies in the world and he's cost Liverpool games before. So it, I think it's just one of them where, you know, it, it's goalkeepers are all about consistency. And if you're better more often than you're not, then that's fine. Because at the end of the day, a goalkeeper makes a mistake more often than not, it ends up in a goal. Whereas if Mo or Max or Troy, if they miss an open goal, well, nothing happens apart from we just get a bit annoyed. So, um yeah, I think it's. I think as well we have got to remember what did Fish do in in the la- in two of the last few games? He made nine saves against Sheffield Wednesday. and He made five saves against Morecambe. So he actually made. I mean, 
well, first up, it's not really a great sign that he's having to make 14 saves in two games, but it, he did. And then the, he follows up the next game with a great ball, you know, to Scott Twine, as Ross said. So, yeah, let's, let's um, look at it with a bigger sample size rather than 90 minutes where, you know, yeah, should have done better. But he's, he's, been, he's been smashing it this season. And, um, and I think we should just, you know, just... T- I, I don't think you can draw conclusions from one game. No, no, of course you can't. But um, as it is social media these days, mate, I think people will, and they have. Um, maybe it's more than just the game on Saturday, but you know, at the end of the day, they're, they're still tweeting what they're tweeting and still posting what they're posting. So, what can you do? Um, a player who, as we always say, you mentioned every episode in the podcast, and for, for wrong and right reasons, Hiram Bowerting. Um, of course, he gets his he gets his goal um, against Oxford. Uh, you know, I should keep it better probably, but you know, he still scored the goal. He had to be there at the right time. And I think I say the comment that, you know, he summarised the game quite well and the fact that I think the first half, he actually had one of his better games. I was back for 45 minutes anyway. You know, he was drifting into the over spaces. Of course, he got his goal. He was making clever runs, I thought. And he actually complimented Troy Parrott quite well. And I think that's why we're leading at the break. I think it was those two up top actually had a pretty good connection going forward. And then the second half... I don't know. I don't really know how to explain it. That it just didn't work, and I don't know if Troy was tired. He had, obviously had a lot of minutes recently. I don't know if Ram was tired. Of course, he didn't usually play for as long as he did. Um, but yeah, those. I think those two up top. Obviously, we talk about Haram here. Those two just um, didn't really work in the second half, and I think they affected the whole team. I think we saw the stretches completely disappear. Um, of course, the wing backs and Harvey and Watson tried to tried to reinstate that, but they just weren't brave enough on the day. And I don't really blame them too much because of what was happening in front of them and behind them. They felt like they had to, you know, retreat and try and, well, reinstate the block, unfortunately, which is something I'm not, I don't really agree with, but it's just a mindset thing, I think, in young, young players. Um, and yeah, I think overall, I felt that Hiram's game just summed up the whole game quite well, really. You know, good first half from us and then second half kind of just fell apart a little bit. I don't know if you boys saw something similar or you had different insights to it, but it'd be great to hear it. I think first half, Hiram was brilliant. I thought he was great. He was absolutely everywhere. You know, with Hiram, you might get a few loose touches or something, but he's a quite high-impact player and he did that well. He was linking up on that left side really well. And I think one thing that helps is that Troy comes deep. So... It's not, you know, with Mo. Mo's likes to be right on the last, on on the shoulder of the last defender. Where Troy's, yeah, he does that, but he's also happy to come deep and link play. So it was actually, you know, Hiram that played. Uh, it was uh, Harvey that played it up to Troy, and then Troy that played it into Hiram. So actually, them two were, you know, swapping positions, positions almost. So I think that just shows how, you know, actually, if you're that lone striker in the system, you need to be working with the two number 10s behind you for it to work and it did um second half yeah I, I don't actually know what happened because well to put it bluntly not much did happen with Haram in the second half just not much was there and I, yeah I don't know um and that's I guess why we we may be mentioning more than you know more than say you know a, a player that who, who, who plays as many minutes as he does we sh- should because because we see stuff in that first half that make you think, bloody hell, you know, he's, you know, holding a player off, he's slotted away quite coolly. You know, we've seen his goals before where he's, 
you know, shrugging defenders off like they're ragdolls, basically, and um, scoring goal, important goals at important times. And But then he can then throw in the second half performance where you almost kind of forget he's on the pitch. And so I think that's just the frustration. But, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's one of them. It's one of them. Obviously, maybe something's not quite right with Josh Martin. Uh, because I think, I think he's been okay when he's played. But, again, it's hard to judge him because I've seen him in 20-minute spells. And, you know, and, and so it's hard to really gain a judgment on him. But, yeah, I, 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 I just, um, I don't know what that is. Yeah, that's that's completely. I agree with you. I think that's. I think we'll that's leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's completely fine to be honest. That's, that's a fine answer because I don't think many people do. To be honest with you, and I, I think, think I've got fine. the answer. I think I might. Oh, go on then. Go ahead. Take it away. We'll get Liam Manning on the bell. On, on the <laughs> I, I I personally um, don't think he's got the legs for the full ninety. Um, I don't think he's a player to suit the full ninety as as bad as it's as it sounds. Um, I know he trains full full time with us and that. I just don't don't think he's suited for a 90 in our system. I think there's just too much uh, coverage for him to track. Um I think the distance that Josh McEcker and Ethan Robson probably covered on Saturday is probably a lot greater than what Boateng is and when you're playing in that deep block you're required to move over as a unit and um it's a lot of ground to cover and that's no um, disrespect to Boateng as a player. Um, I just don't th- feel like he's probably a 90-minute player for us. I feel like he's probably more, he has more impact when he comes off the bench against probably a tied back line, probably at the weekend, ideal for the weekend, because we know how what a physical presence he is. He likes to hold the ball up, wait until others get in play. Um, at the end of the day, we saw in the second half, our midfield was getting overrun slightly. Um, not heavily, but slightly. And that's probably where the Oxford won the battles. And um, at the end of the day, if they're winning them key battles, we're going to be losing the game. Yeah, I mean, to mention one of the midfielders you mentioned, Maquette comes all over the place on Saturday. Um, and you can tell that Ethan Rob wasn't wasn't Ethan Rob's best game, in my opinion. Um, and Maquette, I felt like he was having to cover two positions at once. And of course, with Harambe and they're not playing his best, it kind of feels like almost free. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's a shame how it all happened. Obviously, with the players out know, COVID protocols, um, but and I think some of those players will still be out for Saturday as well, which is even more annoying. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know much, much more you can do. Uh, fortunately for us, one of the players that did you know show some real good individual moments of quality, and you can see why he won Young Player of the Month for November, Matty O'Reilly. I thought, even despite you know losing the majority of his like, Arsenal weapons at the top, he was absolutely terrific, and um, you, you can clearly see why he's not really a League One player. I mean, you know, I think everyone knows this, but it's important to emphasise it when he did show it the skills that he did. Yeah, so the moments of skill roster were unbelievable, weren't they, on a day? And you know, it's just really, really nice to watch. Oh yeah, definite. And I think the problem is at the moment is. Um, he's probably a bit too clever with the ball and he probably overthinks it a bit too much. And that's not a bad player. That's just one step ahead of the game. Um, and I think what the reason why Boateng and Parrot work so well is because they're probably on the same wavelength. But Matt O'Reilly, he's obviously used to having Twiney next to him and he knows the runs and everything he's going to be making. 
And with Boateng, he's probably not as mobile as what Twine is. And probably probably just doesn't work on the same wavelength. I'm sure if they played several games together, they'd start to get used to each other. But we saw um, moments, especially in that second half, where Matt O'Reilly picked the ball up deep and he's dragging us along slightly. When, in my eyes, I feel Matt O'Reilly's best when he's in that final third, in, in my eyes. And I've, I, I do feel Boateng should be that sort of player who drags us up the pitch or McEachram. And, um, yeah, there's no words which can describe Matt O'Reilly. He's he's definitely one of the... I, I was speaking to someone uh, on Twitter earlier on about Matty O'Reilly, and um, we were discussing that he, he is one of the best in the division by by country mile. It's interesting, because obviously, if you've seen uh, Liam Henshaw's work, Henshaw analysis, he, he's done a lot in the EFL recently, especially a lot of our players. It, it kind of happens when you're scoring lots of goals and towards the top of the league in like a competitive league. But obviously, Scott Twine's the player who's getting all the plaudits in terms of the like, stats. And I think I think Liam quoted him as one of the top two midfielders in the EFL um, right now, in terms of stats anyway. But of course, with Matty O'Reilly not really, you know, getting in as advanced positions as you mentioned with Twine, or he's not really shooting too much. Um, he's he's not he's not going under the radar, but at the same time, Joe, he's you know he's he's not exactly maybe 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 teams are under underappreciating his impact on the pitch, and obviously we're not because we watch him every week, but maybe some teams are. Yeah, I mean, even even his um right his stats, you know, you've got you've got the fact that he. He's got five goals and four assists already this season, which is great. But you've got to remember as well, he's also been playing in a deeper role, which makes it even more impressive. Because yeah. you add in that creativity, you then add in the interceptions, the tackles, the pressing. And I think he's just, yeah, a player beyond his years, really. And the maturity with what he, with which he plays, I think, is one of the biggest, um, one of the best things about him. Um, and I think as well, just an... I mean, I'm not sure if you were going to come on to him, but two other players I just wanted to give a shout out to was Tanai Watson, who I thought again was good and set up the ball for Charlie Brown's really great, good chance at the end. And also, um, I thought Troy Parrott was good as well. So, um, yeah, a few a few uh, decent, you know, given... As I, as I say, though, I thought quite a few players did play pretty much okay, pretty good. Even, you know, considering the result, um, it's not as if we played awfully in my eyes. Yeah, I think I think Troy Parrott fell into the trying to replicate Scott Twine's like driving through the midfield into the attack sort of role, and to be fair, he did it well at times. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, as 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 the uh, technically lone striker, um, yeah, you need to be a bit more. Well, for me at least, anyway, a bit more up top. But yeah, I thought he played a good game and. Yeah, I think I think tonight's had a brilliant past three games. To be honest, ever since he started at Leighton, I thought he's had a really good stretch of form, and, and it's been fortunate really because I was with, with Pete Kioso out due to COVID, and he should be back for Burton. It's going to be interesting to see if tonight keeps his place. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure. We'll, we'll see what type of manager Manning is, but I'd usually play the form guy to be honest. In tonight, Watson over Kioso coming back from COVID, um, but hey, we'll see what happens, and I'm sure we'll have a lineups later on to uh, determine that. Okay, so that sums up quite nicely our review of the Oxford game. Disappointing result, um, but, you know, looking forward to bouncing back against Burton on Saturday. That's where our attention turns next after a short little break.
This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. Okay, the last away day before Christmas, obviously a big one for us. Uh, you know, Don's action, uh, doing a big campaign behind it. So make sure you go to Burton. That's the main take from this. If you don't take anything from this podcast, make sure you get your tickets to Burton. Uh, it's going to be a good day, hopefully. And uh, yeah, hopefully the boys can reward us with three points after, you know, as, as mentioned earlier, disappointing belong against Oxford last Saturday. Uh, Joe, I believe you're taking us away with a bit of Burton insight. So uh, yeah, send us away. Um, yeah, Burton Albion, we've recently played them um, and it was a 1-0 victory for the Dons. So hopefully we can have a repeat of that. Um, just in, you know, so there's not too much new on Burton since we last spoke. They're very much a mid-table team, which I think for considering where Burton were when Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank came in, I think that's quite an achievement, to be honest. I think that's, I think he's doing a decent job and he's he's really making this team his own. Um, they've won eight games, drawn four and lost 10 this season, scoring 24 goals and conceding 28. So they haven't conceded loads, but they're not scoring loads either, which, um, you know, from a Burton Albion team is probably, you know, about right. They're keeping it quite fairly, um, fairly uh, tight at the back. And, and they're not, and then, but they're not exactly prolific themselves. Um, against teams, I'd look at this just to see some sort of numbers for Burton Albion, because I think a lot of us, you know, we would have seen the Burton Albion game, we would know how they play. Um, but so uh, they've played eight games against the teams in the top nine this season and they've lost six of them. Um, so, you know, but they've got, they've only lost um, four games against the rest of the division, which just goes to show that those, you know, they're, they're not really quite competing with those top nine teams that have, you know, the top nine teams now have a five point gap. Um, so it's almost like a little mini league of their own um, at the moment. Um, and I think as well, another thing to note is their away form compared to their home form. Um, away from home, they've scored six goals and conceded 16. So, a, you know, a negative goal difference of 10. However, at home, they've scored 18 goals and um, they've only conceded 12. So that's a positive goal difference of six. So that's a 16 goal difference difference there. Um, so it really just goes to show that they're a different animal away from home. Um uh, at home, I beg your pardon. They've yeah actually got the seventh best home record, um, having won six games, drawn two, and only lost three games. Three out of the eleven games they've had at home. So just again, just something to note that you know I wouldn't expect them to be quite as tame as they were at Stadium MK. I think they will come at us, um, and we all know about the aerial threat. They've got a lot of really athletic players. You think of the likes of Amari Patrick, Lucas Aikens, and. They've also got a touch of, um, you know, Premier League class, really, in, in um, Jebison, who, uh, who who actually scored in the Premier League. I think he's 17 or 18 for Sheffield United, and he's on loan there. Um, and who better to learn from than Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank? So, um, again, yeah, just to reiterate, they've got the second highest XG in the league from set pieces. So, again, you know, I think we know Burton are going to be dangerous from those areas and... Looking back at Saturday, uh, Saturday and that that goal we conceded from a set piece, you know we're going to have to tighten up because it can't be that easy. It cannot be that easy because Burton will punish us for that. Um, so yeah, again, it's a it's a winnable game. We've got a decent record against teams in the lower half of the division. 
bar Shrewsbury and Doncaster. Um, but hopefully, um, you know, we can continue our pretty decent away form, to be honest. We've scored, you know, MK Dons ourselves, we, we've scored 22 goals in uh, 10 away games. We've got the sixth best away, away record in the league. And if we win on Saturday, we go joint second for an away record. So, yeah, it's a good opportunity to continue our good away form. Uh, but it's no, by no means a walk in the park, but something that we're definitely capable of, uh, of uh, achieving. Yeah, it's a, it's a good little, uh, little stat on the away form. And also, obviously, you mentioned about the set piece actually being second highest in the league. Uh, Burton are actually also way clear in terms of their expected goals ratio as a result for set plays in general. So, as overall, so they're like XG overall, like 0.44 of that, so 44% in other words, comes from set plays. So, you know, they really do emphasize set plays. So, they're not, they're probably not going to create too much from open play, but. You give them a corner or a free kick if they're not 30 yards of the box, they're gonna they're gonna have a good chance of creating something. So yeah, as Joe said, you know, it it really does emphasize that we need to sort that out this weekend and hopefully the return of well, Harry Darling, hopefully. Um we we'll to do that for us. Um, Ross, before we look back at our wonder win that Joe mentioned um against Burton earlier in the season, um, since that game, has there been any key players that popped up for them that you know maybe didn't really stand out in the first game? Yeah, they've um, got this young lad called Thomas Hamer. Um, he originally came from Oldham's setup um, back in 2017. And then he signed for um, Jimmy Floyd's side in, back in January. Um, and he seems to be uh, very versatile. Um, he plays either left back or right back. And um, if you look at his heat map, he he bombs it back and forth and he reminds me slightly of Kyoso in the way he's doing it. If you look, look slightly um, at his heat map, um, and I've looked, and he's actually a long throw specialist. So you talk about corners or free kicks. We need to start looking at the throw-ins as well because of we we we've saw what's happened um, when we played Steve Evans' side, who do the who just throw the ball into the box as such, uh, and we've struggled with it. So um, yeah, we we need to keep alert and keep an eye on this. But um, I, I noticed a lot of Burton's weaknesses are actually off their own doing. Um, a lot of it's out of individual errors and keeping hold of the ball. Two, two things, yeah, I know Joe mentioned about obviously Hasselbank, you're not going to have that sort of possession style to him. But if they can't do the, the two basics of football correct, you're not going to be winning points at the end of the day. And let's hope that continues on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And I think looking back at that 1-0 win that we referred to, um, I think the key the key takeaways to me was that it's a very similar setup to the one we played um, on Saturday in terms of that we have the two holding midfielders in, well, on the, on the day it was Kasimian and McEachern, and then we had O'Reilly being a bit more advanced alongside Twine and Waters. The thing that worries me a bit more is that we're probably not going to have Scott Twine because I'm pretty sure COVID protocols is 10 days. That they have to be away from the squad. I could be wrong there, but that's just that's just my um, assumption on that. And obviously, we're not too sure on what is fitness. So, we, we and of course, what's got the goal against Burton also. So we're kind of missing two two of the key players from attack there. Now we should we should get Mo. I think I think Mo will just about make it for the game on Saturday. I don't know how fit he'll be, um, but he he could be in contention to play. Um, and as I said I don't think we'll have Twiney. We'll probably have Kyoso back, but I think tonight Watson probably starts. So. How do you boys see the team setting up on Saturday? Do you think it'll be 
obviously Troy Power had a really good game. Do you think he'll start front again or do you reckon Isa comes back in or do we play both? I think it's a bit it's of a, a difficult... I, th- I think it's a bit of a difficult one because of uh, with obviously the situation we're in. It's like pissed in the wind. You you could say that Kios is going to play and he could be out. So um, it's we could be jinxing we, we could be jinxing it and twine. I know with these COVID protocols, is it actually if he has COVID or is it if he's got? Let's just say if he if he didn't feel well, does he still have to isolate for ten days? I'm not too sure. It's it's a bit unclear, isn't it? That's the whole thing. Like if we had a clear sort of protocol saying, you know, it's this amount of days or it's this, and if it's black and white, then it's easy to understand. But of course, a bit like everything at the moment, it's not really too easy to understand. So uh, I'm assuming that he's out. All eyes on Liam Manning's presser then. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> yes. Yeah, it matters more than most this week for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, Joe, I mean, how do you think the team was set up on Saturday? I mean, it's obviously... Do you want me to run said, through my starting eleven, or...? If you want to, yeah, sure, go for it, yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. I'll go for it then. So, yeah, Fish in goal. I've not decided to drop him after <laughs> what many of would what many would have you believe was a, a disgusting performance on Saturday. It it wasn't, it was just one of them. Um yeah, Fish in goal. Um, I've gone on the assumption that Harry Darling is not back, so I've gone for the, an unchanged back three of Baldwin, Was and Dean Lewington. Um, again, I've gone off the assumption that Kyoso's back 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 in favour. I think all of his goals have actually come away from home as well. Okay. Um, so yeah, four goals this season. Um, so yeah, if, if Pete is fit, he starts for me. Um, if not, I'm happy with tonight. So that that's fine. Um, Harvey, yeah, again he starts at left wing back. Uh, but again, there's not really too many options challenging him at the moment. So. I think he may have been a little bit underwhelming in recent weeks, but he's solid defensively. Just maybe we want that little bit extra in the final third from him. Um, I've gone for the midfield too. I've gone with Josh McEachran and Ethan Robson. I think we'll have a lot of the ball. I think that Josh McEachran is probably our best player at keeping up the tempo, sitting deep and just, you know, playing it left, playing it right, playing forward, playing back. You know, almost like Andrew Sermon played that role really well last season I think Josh McEachran does that the best in our team and then I've gone for again assuming everyone and assuming that Waters and Twine and Mo are not available just because I do not know if they are or not I've gone for Matty O'Reilly and Hiram Boateng behind Troy I think Troy did enough to warrant starting again and I think Matty you know he starts so it's maybe whether or not you know, you put Troy back a little bit and Mo comes in or, you know, whether Twine comes in for Hiram directly, we just don't know. I think we're going to find out a lot more on Friday afternoon. Uh, but unfortunately, that's not enough time to record the podcast and get it out for you guys. <laughs> well, it might be, but I think we'll be, you'll have a good, what, two or three hours to listen to it? And I think it'll be worth it. Um, yeah, I, I'll go for mine, for suppose, next. So yeah, I've got fishing goal, no surprises there. Um, I'm assuming Harry Darling is available to play, so he's back in the centre of defence for me. And I unfortunately am dropping Aiden Baldwin again, doesn't really deserve to be dropped, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, yes, yeah, so my back three is uh, was a uh, Harry Darling and Dean Livington. Um, I'm sticking with tonight, Watson. Uh, I do think Kyose will be available, but as I go with the, I go with the form guys, and if until they put in a bad performance, then you know, fair enough. Um, I think he, I think he deserves to start to be honest. 
and yeah, I want. I've got Dan Harvey starting. I want to see Dan Harvey Wigan as opposed to Dan Harvey of late. Um, but you know, you've got to have faith in him. You know, we've seen him produce the goods, and as Joe said, there's not really too much else there really yet. Um, you know, Brook, Brooks getting there, but he's nowhere near ready to start league games of this magnitude. Midfield two, uh, yeah, McEachran and Robson. Um, no idea what's up with Kaz, so I, I can't really say much on the situation. So I'm assuming he's not available. Um, and yeah, the front three is exactly the same as Joe. So O'Reilly, uh, Hiram, and um, Troy Parrott. Obviously, Mabais is likely to be back, but I don't think he'll be fit very fit at all. I think he'll get 30 minutes max from the bench. And yeah, Waters is probably still out injured, um, well, as far as we know. And yeah, I think Twine is out with COVID. So, Ross, you're starting 11. I'm going to go pretty boring and go the same as you, Liam. Oh, but what a surprise. I think, I think I read somewhere, I think it was maybe. Toby Locke's article um, after Manning's presser um, prior to the Oxford game. I believe Kaz was um, was actually um, just getting up to match fitness, wasn't it? I swear it was match fitness. I think he's actually ready to come back. Um, he just wasn't quite ready for Oxford, I believe. Do you play him, though? I don't know if you start him. Yeah. Oh, I, I'd I don't know if that's him. an injury or maybe COVID or what, because if it was COVID... It was injury. It, it would have been injury. Up. Yeah, injury, yeah. Um, K- Kasumi, you can't question... He's, he's, he's just an outrageous player at this level, and I don't care whether he, he'll only play 60 minutes. In that 60 minutes, he can change games, and we saw especially at Crewe how well he worked with McEachran. And um, maybe Ethan Robson didn't have the best game against Oxford. Maybe maybe if Kasumi is fit, it's probably time to Kasumi to drop in and see what he's made of. So at the end of the day, we've I know three points are at risk, but at the end of the day, we've got nothing to lose in terms of playing Kasumi or not. Yeah, I say if Kaz is fit, he probably gets in most people's teams, but... Yeah, it's probably, um, I think he'd probably need another week and maybe aim for Lincoln, which you probably need him for Lincoln, actually, Lincoln away on Boxing Day. It's quite a big game, that one. Um, and, you know, it's, it's always been an environment which we've, well, you'd terribly say we, we struggled in that environment, you know, on, on a usual basis. So to have someone like Kaz back in that midfield would, would mean a lot to me personally in terms of how he, how he plays in general for those type of games. Uh, Score-wise, so this is a very interesting game. I feel obviously, you know, the previous game is 1-0, but we easily could have conceded against this Burton team. You know, they've got dangerous players. No, they're not playing up to their potential, but they said they're good size. They've got solid players. So, Joe, how do you how do you see Saturday going in a terrace at Burton? Um, I think, well, other than having a sore head the next day, um, <laughs> I think that in terms of, I think we, we always say that the first goal is important, but I think this game more than ever, it, it really is. Just a quick stat before I go into my score. I think so. Um, Ox, uh, Burton Albion have gone ahead ten times in games. They've o- they've only conceded two goals after going ahead. So that just shows that once they get a lead, they're very very hard to peg back. Now, if you look on the other end, they've gone behind in games fourteen times. They've only come back four times. So you know they're not very good at coming back into games. But when they do get a lead, yeah, good good luck trying to equalise. Um, because I think, you know, from what we can probably know about Burton already, once they get in the block and they're set in that narrow block, you know, they want you to pump crosses in the box. And if you pump crosses in the box, their centre-back's going to eat them up all day, every day. Thank you very much. So, yeah, I think that's just something to note that, yeah, this first goal really is quite crucial. 
And um, as I said, we've, I think we've been really good away from home recently. And I do think that we're going to score more than one. So I'm going two for us. But I don't think we're going to keep a clean sheet. So one for them. Two, one, two, MK Dons. Yeah, it's funny you should say that because um, I've also gone two, one, MK Dons. Um, yeah, the last two times I've been there, it's been two, one. Admittedly, one of them was Papa John's game, but, you know, they all count. Uh, and yeah, I, I don't think I do see us conceding the goal. Unfortunately, um, I don't think we've been up to up to, up to its defensively recently. Um, so yeah, I think I think two one. I think we've got. As I always say, this team's got enough firepower to score goals, no matter who's starting. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think I think we'll get some goals, and I think we'll we'll have a win before Christmas. So uh, Ross, do you think the same? No. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, I think it's gonna be a long afternoon. If, to be completely honest, I don't know why. Um, oh, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank sides. I just hate them. I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, the the one at Stadium MK. I was waiting for the equaliser. Um, but obviously they they didn't come out. They just came for a point. Um, and I, I do feel like it's gonna be a dull one or draw for some reason. Um, I just feel if we don't have these six players back, um, that's Kasumi, Kyoto, Darling, and all those. Um, we're gonna really struggle. I feel, um, and that's that's not me saying our our fringe players as such. Um, those who have came in aren't good enough to do it, and I hope they are. But I just I just feel for some reason that Burton side they're gonna. I, I, just, I don't know. I don't. I can't put my put my finger on it at all. But I just feel they're gonna get a point. And one of us had to be the screwed Ross, and currently you you decided. Well, it's near Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I, as we always say, our way point's not a bad point, but we do need to win. It, this is, game. it is in this situation. We do need to win this game. Yeah, we've got a run of easier games now coming up. They, I think, they showed on Sky our oh, running. Four. I think the next, the next five or six, they're all in the bottom half of the table. So, yeah. I mean, know, I mean, for me personally, I, I, don't, I don't see, I don't play personally, I don't see Burton Lincoln away as easy games, especially Lincoln. I don't see Lincoln away as an easy game. Um, the thing is, Lincoln have been absolute dog this season, but I know, you but know, you know, we're gonna make a, we're gonna make a dog's dinner of it yes, ourselves, exactly. It's exactly. gonna ruin my boxing day, traipsing that, up the A1. That is but, that is classic Milton Keynes, mate. That is classic Milton Keynes. The spirit of Christmas for you. <laughs> Yeah, that yeah, that's um that's almost nailed on. But we'll, we'll get into that next episode. Um, thank you very much for listening to that episode of the podcast. Uh, hopefully we'll see you at Burton. Uh, as I said, you know, it's gonna be hopefully a great day. Hopefully three points. Um, and until then, come on, you dons. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.